All right, church, you ready? Not so two or three of us. All right, are we ready, church? All right, good. Uh, do I have your permission to give it to you straight today? All right, good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's going to be pretty direct. And some of you guys, today's message is going to have obvious, straightforward action steps. And some of you guys, it's going to prep your heart to celebrate and to teach about this concept in the right way. Really to summarize the heart of what we're going after here. We're talking about commitment in, in a certain form in scripture. And commitment has changed a little bit over the generations, hasn't it? I mean, if we look at Andy Griffith TV show, it's a little bit different than keeping up with the Kardashians these days, right? All right, there's only like five people who are willing to admit they've watched that. I haven't watched it because I don't think I've watched TV for like 20 years since whenever we started having kids. I don't know. Um, But commitment has changed. And I want to talk about that because the fact is, as our culture's concepts regarding commitment, follow through, authority, as that changes, it does drift into the church because we learn about commitment all around us and then we respond to other commitments in the same way. And so the same way that we have responded to commitment in our world, in our schools, in our workplace, in our families, we begin to bring that into the church. And this is a truth. The authority of the word of God should direct our lives. Amen? Amen. All right, so what it teaches, we should follow. And that's what we're going to get into today. But to get our minds thinking about it, I want to just tell you, uh, imagine with me, if you will, that beautiful moment where about a 23-year-old guy gets down on his knee and he is proposing to his beautiful, hopefully soon-to-be wife. And he takes the ring out and he's pouring out his heart, darling, I just love you so much. Ever since you came into my life, it's like color came into the world. It's changed everything for me. And I want you to be my wife forever. And she does her little girl dance and gets excited. And she says yes, and she takes that ring and she puts it in her pocket. And he says, the the ring's supposed to go on your finger. And she says, yeah, I know, baby, but, but people don't need to know our business. And if that was your son, you would say to him, run, not that one. Get the ring back, pull the receipt out, bring it back to the store or save it for the next one and never tell her what you did with it before. But don't marry that girl, right? Because in that instance where she said, I don't want to put that sign on my finger. I don't want the world to know that we're getting married. I got to put my ring right back on because I know who I am and whose I am, so I keep it on, all right? But when she said, I don't want the world to know that we're getting married, I don't want to wear the ring on my finger, she is telling him something that she feels about him and about her future. When she says, I don't want to wear the symbol that I'm going to be your bride, she's saying something about how she feels. She's saying something about the level of commitment she's really willing to get into. And we know that in a story like that. We understand that's a sign of commitment that if you enter into the arrangement that we're going to get married, you wear that with pride and you show it to people and you don't hide it in your pocket. That's ridiculous. But that level of commitment, if we saw it in a marriage, we'd be like, that's a problem. But we see that level of commitment in the church all the time. 
Now look, I am sensitive to the, the rate of maturity and faith. I am sensitive to growth that happens, but we're talking about and we're gonna study an elementary principle of the Christian faith today. And I say that because time after time when we encounter this, it is right at the beginnings of someone's faith where they're taking this step. But we have kind of spread it out further. Today, we are talking about the symbol and the, the step the sacrament, if you will, of baptism. Baptism is one of these things that is a symbol of an inward belief. And time after time in scripture, when someone comes to faith in Christ, they choose to get baptized. But in today's culture, baptism has kind of got pushed back to like, when I understand some more about my faith, when I get a little bit mature, eventually I'll do that. And I want to show you some things in scripture today to help clarify what baptism is, clarify when baptism is supposed to happen, and the picture that it paints, and the power that it holds in a believer's life. And so first of all, just starting with the word baptism, as we say it in English, baptisma in Greek, it simply means to submerge, to get under water, to be cleaned. And this is an important thing because I understand, and I'm one of those that at an early age, my mama brought me to a church and they sprinkled water on me. And they said, Paul, you have been baptized. And that, that, it's not to speak against that tradition, but I want to clarify that here at Gulfside, we baptize by immersion, putting someone all the way under water, not just because we're extra, though we are a little bit, but because that's what the word means. The word means to be immersed. And there's a whole picture that the action of baptism paints that we'll get to in, a, in another passage here in a minute that explains why we also hold to that. But the word baptism is not complicated. It just means to be immersed underwater. And so that, that's a starting point. When we're talking about baptism in scripture, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about being immersed. And it was always associated with a time of repentance in someone's life leading up to John the Baptist. If there was a Gentile person who was not of Hebrew descent and he came to faith in Jehovah, the God of the Jews, he would be baptized at that point where he's coming into faith. But baptism wasn't a very regular thing early before the death and resurrection of Christ. And so when John the Baptist came on the scene, it was really irregular that people were getting baptized. It was a strange occurrence for that culture and for that time. And the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, long before John lived, it was, it was foretold through prophecy that there would be someone who came and prepared the way of the Messiah. And it was giving the description of John the Baptist. And when John came and he was baptizing people and calling them to a baptism of repentance in the water, it, it kind of created waves within the religious community. But he was so well respected and God moved through him so much that religious leaders would come to see him, to listen to him, to get baptized by him. So much so that there was a time where he was teaching and, and John knew he, who he was. As he was talking about baptism and about following God, he was actually teaching to those who were following him and said, there is gonna be one who comes after, the, after me that is far greater than me, uh, of whom I am not worthy to be called his slave. I am not worthy to untie his sandals. And then he saw Jesus and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. And John pointed and said, this is the Messiah. This is the one that, that I was telling you guys about. And it's important because if for you, you would say, I have my life pretty well together, Paul. I don't need to get baptized. Like I'm a good Christian and, and I do the things that I should. Even if you, you think you're as good as Jesus himself, which you're not, clarity, Jesus submitted himself to baptism. 
Jesus came to John the Baptist, and it's a really in, interesting interaction in, in Matthew chapter 3, where John sees him coming, and John says, it's the Lamb of God. And Jesus comes, and, and John says, I can't baptize you. Like, this isn't right. And, and Jesus in Matthew 3, verse 15, we'll put this up on the screen. But Jesus said, it should be done, for, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Now I get the fact of like, it would feel weird to be the person who baptized, Je- baptized Jesus. But if you step out of the emotion of the situation, do you realize you're like arguing with Jesus being like, no, I don't want to baptize you even though you're telling me to. Like, I still don't think it's wise to argue with Jesus even if it feels weird. And so just for, for clarity's sake, whenever he speaks, our reaction should be to follow. And his words in this, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. That's the heartbeat of Jesus. And I want to say that's a great teaching for the church, for your life, for your family today, that if God requires it, we must live it out. We have to follow through. When God speaks it, when his word is clear about it, when his word gives us an instruction, though it be difficult, though it be challenging, though it change my plan, though it change my circumstances, I have to live out all that God requires. And time after time when we do baptisms, we have people who say, man, I know I should be baptized, but I am retired. I am, I am 70 years old. I should have handled this when I was a young man. It's embarrassing to come forward and do it at this stage in my life. And I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you that if you have not yet been baptized, no matter how long it has been since you think you should have been baptized, it is always the right time to begin to follow the leading of God. It is always the right time to begin to follow the instructions of Scripture. No matter how long you've been saying no to Him, this is the right season to begin to say yes. And Jesus Himself submitted to baptism, though He had no sins to be washed of, though He had no guilt that needed to be cared for, He stepped into the water and was baptized. And if you haven't yet, you should. Well, I don't understand enough. Well, I want to I address the, I, I think I, if you think you should understand more, know more, to just go through and summarize a couple different places in Scripture. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, as the disciples began to proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that was offered through him, Peter was preaching and 3,000 people responded to the message. Now, it wasn't just 3,000 people who responded, but what the passage says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says that his, his preaching was piercing the hearts of those who listened. And then 3,000 were baptized that day. As you study the New Testament and the, the early church, you will find time and time again that connected to the first moments of belief someone would respond and they would be baptized then. They wouldn't wait months and they wouldn't wait years. They wouldn't wait till they understood more. They wouldn't sign up for the baptism class where they get nine hours of education on baptism before they make the decision. Baptism wasn't about mental ascent. It was about obedience to the calling of God. And what a critically important concept that at the very beginnings of someone's faith, that when they mentally, internally decide, I will follow Christ, that there is physical action that that is moved, that is public, that is decided right at the beginning. I think you understand the power and the importance of that. And I think that you understand that, that when we look 
at, at Acts, when we look, at, this is another interesting case. In the Ethiopian in Acts 8.26, who was being explained the gospel and the way that the prophets foretold it, as he was traveling and he was told about baptism, he saw water and he said, what is stopping me from being baptized right now? And they said, nothing. And he went and he was baptized. Follower of Jesus for minutes, for small moments. And they said, what would stop me from following God's teaching on baptism? What has been stopping you? Is it pride? Is it concern about what someone else will think? You will be amazed that, we, you know, when we talk about baptism, one of the things that wells up in some, some people, and I want to be sensitive, I'm not trying to make fun of you, but if you're like, I can't get baptized at church because my makeup will wash off in the water, and people will see me, and my hair will be undid. I do, a, I do a lot of work on this hair before I come here on Sunday mornings, and if it gets all soaking wet, it's going to look all strange, and people will be looking at me. Look, I understand there are always some costs to following God, but there is always some growth to saying that can't matter more than obeying what Scripture calls me to do. If it's baptism and being seen dunked in the water, if it's serving, if it's giving, if it's going, there is always cost associated with it. And early in your faith, you should adapt. You should lean into the truth that sometimes it's going to cost a little bit. In Acts, Paul and Silas were arrested and it says severely beaten for their faith. Don't miss the words severely beaten. And it was because they were preaching the gospel and they wouldn't back down from it. It wasn't from foolishness. It wasn't stupidity. It was doing exactly what God wanted them to be doing. They were doing God's will in their life and they experienced difficulty because of it. And they ended up beaten severely and in jail cells. And in response to that that beating, in response to being in chains, about midnight, they were singing hymns to God in the prison. He is more spiritually mature than I am, and I will just throw that out there. I am with you on that. I would have the pity party going on, but they had the faith that rose up for the circumstance, and they're singing hymns. And God moved, and there was an earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison, and the chains were broken, and the doors were broken open, and everybody could have escaped. The jailer who was set by by the Romans to keep them in there, he began to draw his sword to take his own life. And Paul called out, and he said, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. I would have taken it as a direct answer of prayer that God does not want us here because the earthquake broke everything open and we can run away. God is even blessing us with killing the guard for us. He's going to do it himself. We can just walk out of here. I think I might have interpreted it that way. But the Apostle Paul had the faith to see, I'm not here for my comfort. I'm here to reach these very people who have been causing me pain and imprisoning me. And so he called out to him and said, don't harm yourself. And it shook the jailer so much that he came and he wanted to hear the message. In fact, his whole household responded to the message. That very night, so they were singing hymns at midnight. Everything shook. They got free. And then the jailer began to bandage and clean the wounds that he had helped inflict on Paul and Silas. His whole household believed. And that very night, in the middle of the night, I want you to see how quickly they moved to this. They were baptized right then in the middle of the night. As they believed, they wanted to be baptized right away. It even preceded the importance of eating food. 
Because the passage says they then went and ate food after the baptisms. There's a sense of urgency that it's like, I've responded to the message of the gospel. We believe we need to be baptized right now. And, And I'm wanting to just build up the case for you that you don't need to put it off. You don't need to be more mature. You don't need to get to a better spot in your life. In fact, if you are trying to do better in your faith and in your life, don't you know that saying yes to God on something as small as baptism with your church family is gonna help move you in the right direction? Saying yes to God as he speaks to you on any of these issues, it's gonna help you get those things in order. So if you feel like you need to get your house in order more, say yes to baptism if you haven't yet. It's gonna help propel you in that direction. And I wanna, I wanna make sure, and I, I, I hit this nail a couple times a month, I'm sure, but I, I just, it, it's, an, it's an important deception that I wanna make sure that we put a, a, a light on because people get fooled by this. In, in the area of spiritual maturity, there, there are so many people who can tell me what eschatology is, but they can't tell me the name of their next door neighbor. There are so many people who have taken a course on some Bible topic, but they've never brought a meal to someone who's sick. There's, there's so many people who have been overseas on missions trips, but they live their life here in the city like they're on a cruise ship, only concerned about their comfort and entertainment. You want to know what spiritual maturity is? It's following the commands, not just memorizing them. We, we are so addicted to deep concepts and wanting to understand things to a PhD level as though that is really what's going to change the actions of our life. And what God is concerned about is how you live, not just how much you understand. Because what he wrote to us in scripture is that knowledge puffs up, but love is what empowers the church. And so if you think, I need to know more before I get baptized, not biblical, you, you need to hold to and live out what you understand right now. And spiritual depth and spiritual maturity is living out what God has spoken to you. If you want to be a mature Christian, it's not about how much you know and how cool you can look when you talk and the presentations that you give and the way that you connect all these different dots of Scripture. Live out your faith in your neighborhood and your family. And Lord knows the hardest place to live out your faith is in your household, isn't it? That's the most challenging place and it's the most important place. You don't have to be a PhD candidate to get baptized. In fact, it should be the most elementary base move of a Christian, someone who begins to follow God, that we say yes. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, it begins to unpack, <clears throat> unpack this picture of baptism. And I know I'm skipping some things in my slides. I apologize, but last service, whoever preached it went way too long and I'm trying to fix his mistakes, whoever that was. Um, Colossians chapter two, verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. This is the picture. This is why we baptize by immersion because the, the picture that these passages paint is the picture of the gospel. For you were, bap- for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Now, what this teaches us is that there is a significant importance and power that the moment that you were baptized, you were buried with Christ. 
And I don't want to miss the, the, the foundational truth in this, that it says, because you trusted the mighty power of God. We are saved through faith. We are not saved through works. But it's one of those things that the book of James clearly highlights, as well as the rest of Scripture, that faith without works is dead. It's not real. It's an engagement relationship where she don't want to put on the ring. It doesn't make sense. It's not authentic. If we have a faith that never leads towards action, we have deceived ourselves. And we are really good about deceiving ourselves and creating excuses for ourselves and moving the accountability off of our shoulders and making our life just easy and comfortable. And there are times, listen to me church, there are times God will want to make you uncomfortable. And I understand for some of you, for our introverts in the room, the people who do not like to be up front, the people who do not want to talk in front of other people or capture their attention, I understand the challenge for you might be a little different than someone else who loves the spotlight. But God is okay with it. In fact, sometimes God wants to make you a little uncomfortable in your faith. God wants to expand where you would think you might, where you think he would want you to be. And if the idea of getting baptized is difficult because, man, the whole church will be looking at me, it's okay that it's difficult. Follow God anyway. It'll prepare you for all the other places that he takes you where it's like, this feels difficult, but I know I can trust God. Our life and our faith, it builds upon the past experiences. And if we build our faith upon past experiences of ignoring the commands and the instructions of Scripture, it's going to better enable us to say no to God more and more, where our faith will look more and more like a dead faith, a faith that lacks works. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. That's the picture of going under the water. The picture of the gospel, when Jesus was placed in the grave and he was dead. The public statement of baptism is a preaching of the gospel message yourself. Submitting yourself to it in front of your friends and your family in your church is saying, I believe that I was buried with Christ at baptism, that he died for me. Jesus did not die for his own sins, but he died for my sins, for my mistakes, for my misgivings, for my anger, for my failed relationships. For my failed opportunities, Jesus died for those. But he didn't stay in the grave. And I promise not to hold you under the water for too long if you get baptized here. You died with Christ, you won't die in the baptismal. All right? But the passage says, and with him you were raised to new life. This is the picture of the gospel. He died to make us a new creation, to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west, so that we would be adopted into the kingdom of God. And as scripture describes it, that you would have the righteousness of God on you. This is the truth, that God, when he sees you after you've placed your faith in him, he sees you as though you have earned the righteousness that Christ earned. As holy as Jesus is, that is how God sees you when you are in Christ. And baptism is the picture of that new life because you placed your faith, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And this is why baptism needs to be something that is your decision. And I'm thankful 
that my mom wanted to see me baptized as a child and that they sprinkled water and they prayed over me and they gave me some little toy camel thing that I was really excited about as a four or whatever old I was. But that wasn't my decision. And there came a point in my life where I needed to pick up my faith on my own and make a decision to be baptized. And I could have excused and said, well, I've already been baptized. But there's a truth in scripture that it's a choice that you have to make. No one else can give you a living faith. Your family, your grandparents, your friends, they can encourage you to the right path, but there's a certain point where you need to pick it up. And I want to encourage you that if you were baptized as an infant or a child, it's fitting for you to say, this is my choice to be baptized. It's not to invalidate, but it's it's to say that there's something different when I choose. There's something powerful when I choose to be baptized. Because this is my faith that Jesus died for my sins and he rose to give me new life. And so I now take up my baptism on my own. This idea of being risen to new life, it's, it's hard to understand um, spiritually what's happening there. But I, I want to compare it to financial debt. Because we as Americans, we have a pretty good idea about what financial debt is, right, is like, right? I mean, the average household has at least $6,000 in credit card debt and they have a payment that corresponds to that each month. The average household that has student loans has $57,000 worth of student loans in their household. Um, Our nation has helped us out, and they have taken out loans on our benefit, and so each citizen of the U.S. has $90,000 worth of national debt that is over their head, or per taxpayers, about $240,000 of debt per taxpayer in the U.S. We're all very thankful for that, I know. Not to get into political matters, but I want to talk about debt for a minute because if you've ever, and I hope you do, I hope you go all Dave Ramsey on your debt and you get it all paid off and you experience what it's like to write the last check and be like, I am done with paying my student debt. I'm done with paying off the car. I'm done with paying off the house or paying off the credit cards. And, and after 10 years, you're like, I have no more debt to pay. I hope you experience that moment because it's a fun moment. But what I've never known is someone to pay off all of their debt, get to the end of it, and the next month be like, you know, for the last 15 years, we've always paid $1,000 towards our Chase credit card per month, and I kind of miss it. I think I just want to write them another check. No, you're like, I'm going to take that $1,000 that I've been giving to Chase Bank for the last 15 years, and I'm going to go on a cruise to the Caribbean, and I'm going to live my life with the things that I have because I actually get to do stuff with that money now. I'm free from that debt. I'm not going to pay it anymore. But so many of us in our spiritual life, it's like we, okay, Jesus paid our debt. Our sin have been forgiven, but we continue to live as if we're still connected to this old life. Like I can't get baptized. I can't serve at church. I can't be a different person because of who I was. The debt has been paid. You owe nothing on it anymore. You are free of it. You are free from those old behaviors, from those old attitudes, those old hangups, those old addictions. That is gone now. The same way where you wouldn't continue to think about the debt that you've paid off financially, stop thinking about the mistakes of the past and live the new life that Jesus has earned on your behalf. You have been baptized into a new life and baptism is that moment of saying my faith isn't just mental, it's not just internal, it's external and I want people to know I believe this. This is who I am. The old has died in the water and I am risen to new life. And I wanna make sure that we get the picture and the importance and the power and the passion of that moment. Because if you've been baptized in this church, you need to be reminded of the celebration that needs to be around that person when they come out of that water. It matters when someone chooses to get baptized. 
And if you have been living in the position of your life, if I've been a follower of Christ for a long time, but it won't really matter if I get baptized, I want to impress upon you, it matters for so many different reasons. It matters internally for your heart because you'll begin to say yes to God in areas where you've been saying no to him. It matters for your church because you'll set an example for other people who would say, I should have done this a long time ago, where you say, I was in that camp and I did it and I honored God and God shows up when we step out in faith and it's gonna empower other people to live. It's gonna set an example for your friends and it's gonna, it will mean that the gospel message gets shared with other people around you because they're gonna hear about your baptism and your faith is gonna get a little bit more public than it was. It will matter if you get baptized. Band, if you guys will come up and help me close this thing out. This pastor is going late again. All right, let's, you want to watch a different message, watch first service. It's a little different, but it's, it's good. Um, your debt's been paid. You have a new life ahead of you. You know, I shared about the, the, the parable of the, um, the girl who wouldn't put a ring on. That's, not a, that's a Paul parable, not a Bible parable. It's an illustration. Um, I'll, I'll give you a better story about engagement. Um, when I asked my wife to marry me, she didn't hide the ring in her pocket. I'll go ahead and put that spoiler out there. Um, but months leading up to when I asked Tia to be my wife, I mean, I, I, I dove into studying diamonds and rings and finding the right engagement ring. I don't even remember all the stuff I learned about anymore, but cut clarity, all that, all that stuff. I, 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 was, I, I knew it all. I, I, and I had like no money, but I wanted to get her the best ring and spent way more than I ever thought I could spend. But still, it's pretty cheap by most standards. Um, it was early days in the internet and Shane Company in Atlanta where I bought the ring. It would price match and I found some company in California that said they'd sell this diamond for this price, which was ridiculously low. And I'm like, hey, you guys price match right there. Um, knocked $3,000 or $2,000 off my diamond cost for her. And they were like, well, I guess we have to. And, and so I got this ring that was just immaculate. Like still today, when we get it cleaned at places, the, the person who's cleaning it, they go and they get like a different microscope because they're like, I can't find the faults to write where the faults are on this diamond. I'm like, I know you can't because that diamond is perfect. It's beautiful. I spent months getting and finding that diamond. And so when the time came, and I mean, I, I planned it all out. We were at Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. It's this beautiful dome-shaped mountain, and it's sunset. And, and I told Tia, I wasn't going to tell a girl I loved her. I had to go to some extremes because of my story. That's a sermon for a different day. But I, I told her, I said, I'm never saying I love you to another girl until I know that she's going to be my wife. I just, I, I have to protect that because of how it's been damaged in the past. And so at, at, that, at that moment, when we were on the mountain and we had just read Ephesians 5 together, which talks about marriage, I told her, I said, Tia, I love you. And like her whole body tensed up because she knew what that meant at that point. And I got down on, on one knee and I, I pulled out the ring, this ring that I have been like prepping and searching for for months. And I just think it's beautiful and it's perfect. And I, I, I hold it up for her and she says yes. And she grabs it and she puts it on and she hugs me. And she didn't even look at the ring. I spent all this time and all this energy and all this money on the ring and she didn't even look. Exactly, because she wasn't saying yes to the ring. It wasn't about the detail, it was about the person. She was saying yes as foolish as it was to me. She was marrying me and that's what she wanted. I had to tell her to look at the ring after a few minutes because I'm like, look at this thing, it's gorgeous. She didn't care. 
And that's what it's supposed to be. When God asks us to do something, whether it's baptism, whether it's giving, serving, going, whatever he asks us, it's not about the ring. It's not about the thing. It's about him. It's about that he is Lord, that he has authority, that what he says is true, that he is never surprised by anything that comes up in our life. He always has a plan and he is always good. And so whatever the thing is, it doesn't matter. The answer should be predecided. God, it's a yes. And so if I'm a follower of Christ, but I haven't been baptized yet, and scripture teaches me that I should be baptized, it's a yes. It doesn't matter. If he says and he puts in my heart that I need to go and I need to serve, the answer is a yes, it doesn't matter. If I need to change my plans, if I need to change my finances, if I need to change where I live, it doesn't matter. The answer is yes because he is Lord. And so commitment, commitment to our Savior, is our commitment to him looking like the way that the world commits or is it looking like a follower of Christ? And so I, you gave me permission, I would have done it anyway, to be direct with you. If you haven't been baptized yet, you should be baptized. If your faith is in Jesus, you should be baptized. And the act of baptism is a message of the gospel, that Jesus died and was buried and he rose to new life, and you experienced that new life. And so today, I wanna ask you to make the commitment if you haven't done it yet. And you can sign up at the table. Uh, We have a little graphic thing for the tech savvy people that um, we'll put up afterwards. We don't need to do it right now. Um, To get signed up, you can come talk to me. We'll make sure it happens. But I believe that the step of faith, the step of action is important. Where you say and you respond and you decide, I need to be baptized out of obedience to my Savior. And I'll trust that he has a reason for pushing me to step out of this. And I want to tell you, I know it takes some bravery, it takes some courage to step out like that. But I want to promise you, I want to encourage you, time after time, Scripture has proved it true, that God has something better for you on the other side of that scary first step that you take. You have a heavenly Father who is calling you out of your comfort zone. Respond to him with commitment and obedience. Let's pray. Father, I just ask for strength and for courage for those of us who are in the room who are struggling with the decision. For those of us who know that we need to take that step, would you just provide for us the strength needed to tell somebody, to let them know? Because we know how important it is to live out our faith. That faith without works is dead. So help us to walk in obedience to you. We are thankful that Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the grave, and rose to new life and to give us new life. Our faith is in him, in Jesus' name.